Hi, and welcome to the Be Happy, Be Brilliant podcast with myself, Rodolfo Young. From a U.S. Army Special Operations soldier to spending two years in meditative silence, I'm now reaching a million people around the world sharing deep insights, practical wisdom, and mindsets to cultivate happiness and success. Enjoy the podcast and be sure to share the conversation to keep the ripple flowing. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Resolution 2021 Summit with myself, Rodolfo Young. I'm the founder of the Brilliance EDU. We have been having amazing conversations with some master speakers and coaches and entrepreneurs who are giving great insights into you know, some of the lessons that we've gotten to learn in 2020 and what we get to do with that moving then into 2021. We've had talks with a beautiful conscious activist, Swati Martin, who dove us into this idea of impermanence and death and something that we can look at because the more we can honor and accept that, the easier it is to let go of old paradigms and invite a new reality. We talked with Mona Green, who shared with us the ideas of how do we find the I in intimacy and use that as a catalyst within relationships for personal growth. And that was an amazing, amazing talk as well. I came in yesterday and I shared with you guys about moving from surviving to thriving and and realizing what it means to really open up from that place to bridge between this uh, fight or flight kind of, of, of mentality into a place of moving towards your desires, towards the goals, towards the things you want in life. And today, today we've got a treat. We're going to move from some of this more personal development into some more professional development. We're going to look at how work has evolved in 2020. And we've got an amazing guest today. His name is Jason Campbell. I'm going to bring him on in just a moment. I just saw that he's in the green room waiting. And Jason Campbell is a powerhouse sales expert. He used to work with Mind Valley, one of the biggest and best personal development uh, companies out there. He is the author of an upcoming book that will be on selling with love, which I absolutely love. I'm going to be talking to him a little more about that concept. And he's also the host of a very popular podcast called Superhumans at Work, which I think is awesome. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and bring him into the... For Jason Campbell to share with us today, and I've got some good questions for him, so I hope he's ready. (laughs) There he is. How you doing? I'm well. Thank you, Jason, for joining today. I'm I'm really excited actually to have you on. Uh, I've had about three or four conversation interviews with some other people in the last couple of days. And so we've been priming everybody up with some good content. And now I know you're going to bring it home. You're going to bring some, some great stuff for us today. Um, so I just gave a little bit of an intro for you so people know a little bit about who you are. And if you have anything else you'd like to add, anything uh, of what you stand for, like, actually, I think that's a great question. What is it that you stand for? Yeah, that's a, that is a great question. And first off, just thank you, Rodolfo, for bringing me on the platform, everybody tuning in, watching live or watching the replay. Uh, Thank you for taking the time. I want to make sure that I'll honor your time by giving you some extremely valuable content throughout this hour. And uh, as far as what I stand for, I would say for me right now, it's, you know, I'm writing the book on selling with love. So the biggest thing I stand for right now is people that are doing great businesses, like truly focused on delivering extremely high value for the activities that they create. And they start with that value first kind of mentality. And I stand for these people, which is why I want to give them the toolkit to enable sales in their organizations. Because when they unlock the power of sales, yet they are people that are firmly standing with the impact they want to make in the world, then you can make them actually multiply that impact. And this is why I'm writing the book. And this is why I do what I do. That's awesome. Really, really happy to hear that. Uh, You know, I I heard a line recently that it made me think of you actually from another friend, somebody else that I met through Mindvalley, who he was saying that if if you open a business that, because the common belief is business is for profit. But he's like, Mm -hmm. if you create a business, you're creating it, for the service it's going to have in the world. There's some impact. Like if you're going to be a business owner, it's for an impact. If you want to make money, get a job or be an investor. And, and I thought that was really cool to hear. So we'll probably dive into some more of that kind of idea a little later. Before we do that, uh, one of the questions I've been asking everybody 
first, right off the bat, because this summit is about looking at what have we learned, what, what happened in 2020 that we can utilize, uh, that's really the first question is, what do you think was the greatest insight that you had or that you observed in 2020? Yeah, I mean, if you look at what happened in 2020, it's kind of a global slowdown and a kind of global, hey, let's take a moment and see what's happening without being completely distracted and kind of addicted to all the exterior stimulus that we constantly were numbing ourselves with, right? Um, mm -hmm. And I think people reacted to that in different ways. And so I think you've seen a lot of people completely melt down when the foundation was ripped from a, be, below them realizing they were standing on nothing and it's kind of yeah. you know the whole realizing that the emperor was wearing no clothes we were fueling our consumption cycle we we just never stopped to think and look into what's going on so you know not everybody was also in a position of abundance let's let's be quite real and about that yeah. there's a lot of people that was the reality is that they were standing on a thin layer of ice and they were kept afloat by this blind machine that was keep running uh, in circles but if you are somebody that was in, you know, any kind of, you know, position of abundance, uh, you got to realize how stable that abundance was for you. And I think big thing that happened for 2020 is a lot of people were put into that forced kind of rehab, that forced isolation, that forced introspection. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of good will come out of it. I mean, through, you know, every trauma or destruction, there's an opportunity to learn and to grow that was kind of not very voluntarily imposed upon us. Um, but it just, it's going to create the biggest shift in consciousness on the planet because a lot of people just had to face their demons. We had to go and look within and realizing yeah. how did we behave? How did we react? Who are the people we wanted to stay close to? What's the purpose of the work that I do? How much money do I really need? How much of these nice bells and whistles do I really want? And start questioning right. all these things. And uh, I think in 2021, uh, there's going to be more of that. But I think from the, adaptation that we had to this new reality, we can actually start building the foundation of what do we want that future to be on, which is less motivated by external stimulus. So I think overall, it's going to bring some amazing abundance for a lot of the people out there. Yeah, I think you're really right. I think it, it brought clarity in, in the two by four smack to the head kind of way. Um, <laughs> very well where, put. <laughs> where, where you're very correct that, that there was so much routine in people's lives, especially around work and especially probably around their finances, whether they were in abundance or in what I'll call um, the the month to month mentality, right? There was just that, okay, but next month it'll be the same, like this is here. There was no planning, no intentionality, and also no clarity about what they actually wanted and what, what they were dedicating their resources to. Uh, so that's actually, that's a really good point you, you bring up. I, I think that was a big one for people in 2020, that they realized that. You mentioned this idea of that, that some people were in abundance and, and got to really settle in and be like, okay, I did a good job. I'm good. I'm safe. And so they, they did, may not have freaked out so much. For those that weren't, what would you advise? What would be a suggestion uh, around money management, around simply awareness, uh, I know when I first read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki, like just a few years ago, opened my eyes up. I was like, oh, I thought I was doing well, but actually really doing this wrong. Yeah, um, that's a really good question. And it's it's interesting. I actually just read an article right now, which talked about, uh, you know, money mindsets and the kind of different levels that exist. And this person, I wish I could tell their name. I, I read it just recently in passing, but it was so great of a post. Uh, if anybody is interested, they can just send me a direct message and I'll send you the article as well. Came to me from a friend. And what was interesting is it talked about those different levels of mindset and it, it broke it down into uh, three blocks, um, which was survival, freedom and power. Okay. And uh, this is just something mm. I read yesterday that had a lot of power here. So when people were in a financial situation, whether it's survival or freedom, what was really interesting is those in survival, you know, you're like, oh my God, I got to pay the bills. Oh my God, I got to save up. Oh my God. Like you're always thinking about the fact that there's a fear that drives every financial decision. Yeah. And if there's a fear that drives every financial decision, you're always going to get back into these cycles, right? And then when you're at the freedom level, this is where it's interesting because he's explaining how there's different types of freedom, but the biggest ones is freedom of attention. You have freedom to not think about money because you have enough and you have that mindset and you're realizing like, hey, there's some in the bank and my living expenses are not putting me in that survival state. But 
the punchline from looking at these different levels, people were saying, wow, okay, maybe I need to make this amount of money and then I can be in the freedom of attention mindset. <laughs> and I guess if I'm only at this financial level, I can only afford to be in the survival and that's kind of my situation. But the punchline yeah. of the article was the fact that for people between freedom and survival, the only difference is a choice. And it's a yeah. choice of the lifestyle we decide to sustain based on the amount of money that we make. And so people making $300,000 a year can be in survival mode. They'll be like, ah, oh, I need to be able to pay the mortgage. Yeah. I need to be able to afford this house. I need to live in the city. I need to make payments on this car. I need to buy this new toilet. Like, and it, it, there's, I remember there was an article that was talking about how this person, this family, right? Uh, male, uh, husband, wife, combined income, 350,000 living in New York. And they were in debt. They couldn't make ends meet. They were sending kids to school. They were doing a, you know, payments on the house, all these things. They were in survival mode. Yet yeah. you can see people. I mean, here I am in Bali. There's some people that what they choose is actually to, you know, maybe offer surfing lessons and live on the beach and be able to work a couple hours and they make a modest income. They stay in a modest house, but to them, they are at the freedom level and they're yeah. making a very low amount of income, yet they've chosen a lifestyle that is actually sustained by whatever income they do make and they're in the space of freedom, which is a bit of a contrast for people because it seems like, oh, financial freedom. Yeah, I need to be making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, which is not the case. If you make some different choices based on location, based on lifestyle, you can find yourself being in the mindset of freedom without needing to be a millionaire. And I think yeah. that becomes tricky to accept for a lot of people. But I think when you look at what 2020 did, being that you weren't forced to go to the bar and drink with friends, you weren't forced to go out, you didn't need those fancy shoes, nobody cared, you're at home mm -hmm. in your pajamas and dealing with yourself, you realize I don't need that much. Uh, and I think that's yeah. going to make a shift in our consumer habits um, that I think is going to be for the better. I think a wave of mim minimalists will come. And I think yeah. that allows a lot more people to step into a mindset of being more free than ever. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. The, uh, one of the things that came up as you were sharing that just now was, you know, I, I have a philosophy that I always share with my students and my clients about fill your, up your own cup. And when your cup has filled up completely, then you have an abundance that overflows and that's what you can serve others with. You know, otherwise we're leaning our cup and we're, we're out of balance all the time. And, but then people will have that same mentality. They're like, oh, but how much is it going to take to fill up my cup? Like, like to, to make sure that I'm fulfilled and I have everything I need and all the things I want and this and that. Like my cup can never be filled. I have to have a million dollars. I have to have this and that. And I go, did you ever have a moment where somebody smiled at you and in that moment, that instance, you felt fulfilled. There was nothing else you needed, nothing else you thought was necessary. There wasn't, I need more. It was just, oh, that was enough right now. Mm. In that moment, your cup was full. The cup is not a designated amount. And I think that's where people, as you're, you're sharing, kind of have this misnomer. They, they look at it and they go, to be financially free, I have to have this certain amount because that's what I see everybody else having or saying that they have or, or because I see my neighbor flaunting that they have that much. But maybe it's just having that clarity to go, what do I actually need? What is the base for me to feel fulfilled? Yeah, and it's funny because I'm actually reading a book right now, which is Ego is the Enemy by Ryan, Ryan Holiday. And I think our ego plays tricks on us on how much we actually need and what we want to compare to. And I think social media has just accelerated our ego desires to want to have more followers, have more abundance, oh, sure, yeah. we have a better car, better lifestyle, comparing pictures. And it's, it's a bit poisonous, to be honest. Um, and we're all caught in the same cycle. So I think if you look back again at 2020, I think there's going to be a lot of changes and a lot of people going like, hold up a minute. Maybe I don't need to be in this game. Maybe I can take a moment to step back and look at my needs that I really need to fulfill. And, you know, that, that, that idea of your cup being full and being able to pour to others, it's interesting because the moment you step into that mindset that, hey, if I have a cup with some liquid in it and I start pouring it to others, it always seems to come back with even more of a more, it, you, you're actually growing the size of your cup the more you give out. And mm -hmm. it's hard to get into that. Like if you're, it's almost like Maslow's pyramid of needs, right? Like if you're on the survival mode and that's the mindset you have and you can't see anything, you can't even understand the words I'm saying right now. Like this makes no sense to you. And I empathize for that because you need to kind of have a taste of getting out of it to change the mindset. Something needs to happen for you to shift that mindset. And it's, yeah. you know, I, I, I stand in a place of privilege. I stand in a place of abundance. And so it's my responsibility to recognize that I'm standing on this pedestal and that I have the opportunity to pour my cup out to as many people as possible, whether it's in time, in finances, 
but go out and share. Like if you're listening to an Instagram yeah. live right now or a replay to Instagram, you're already somebody with <laughs> you a got, smartphone. Yeah. You're somebody with a device that you paid money for. You're, you're doing okay. You got some free time. You're not in survival mode. And so maybe your mind is a bit in a fight or flight response because that's what we've been conditioned to live at all the time. It's just like the stress fuels us to do more and more. Keep busy for the sake of busy. Watch a couple of videos that tell you you need to hustle more and then hustle on things that don't really matter. Stop. See yeah. what you can do to actually provide a bit of value. And it doesn't need to be a million people. What is one person you can take a moment to actually share appreciation with, to be able to share with? Like for me, here's a powerful exercise I might encourage people to look into. During Christmas week, it's easy. I made a list of people that I wanted to be grateful to. And when I made that list, I shared a personal message on how they impacted my life. And I made that list and I went and made an effort, invested time to reach out and not send a Merry Christmas to everyone, just being like, hey, Rodolfo, I remember meeting you in Bali. You know, this was seven years ago or eight years ago in Mind Valley's A-Fest event. I noticed that you were on a silent retreat. I thought that was interesting. I found myself going to a silent retreat as well. And I think you've had an influence on seeing that how present you were. I thought this was something I could nurture within myself and you've had an impact. I appreciate that. And thank you. I'm glad I can call you a friend and that we can go full circle, do this Instagram live. This is how you take moments of being actually grateful and personalizing the message you want to share to people. Yeah. But I think even, even that exercise is such a beautiful example that to be of service doesn't take that much. It means just connect connect with the people who, who have had an impact in your life, connect to the people that you can have an impact in, in their lives. It can be a phone call. It can be a smile. It can be, uh, you know, you, you buy the groceries for the person that's next in line. Like these things make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't take much and it'll make you feel more abundant, make you more fulfilled. And you know, there's, there's this concept that if you want to experience freedom, give freedom to others. And see how what like you that. give to others attracts what you want for yourself. And so, yeah, yeah there, there's a lot of wisdom into that. And I mean, that goes beyond the 3D. It talks about a bit of the manifesting, the law of attraction, all that stuff. But there's some magic to that. Um, yeah. And I think it's very relevant. And I think a lot more people are tuning to it in 2020. But, and it's interesting. Like, I always like to, and I apologize for the, the rain right now. We're here in Bali, both Jason and I. I don't know if you're getting rain on in your area, but it started you're pouring the- over here. You got the cloud that was here about 30 minutes ago. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things that, that I often look at when it comes to abundance, when it comes to being of service and things like this is I, I think there is a practicality even beyond that, that metaphysical, like we talked about manifestation and intention and things like that. And the practicality to that, if we ground it in, is that what you're focusing on, obviously you're going to take action on, And so that's going to manifest more in your life. You're going to just see more of that result. But even more than that, you're training your mindset differently. I mean, if your mindset is contracted and saying like, this is all I have, this is all I have, that's all you have. But then if all of a sudden you give away your time or you give away your energy in a productive manner, you're training your mindset to be like, I have plenty of this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you can signal abundance by giving it away. It's very interesting. Exactly. I, did a, I did a quest. Uh, it was actually with Ken Honda. He wrote a book called Happy Money and did a, uh, a quest with Mindvalley about money EQ and how a lot of mm. our beliefs around money will dictate our, our amount of money that comes into our life. And a simple sure. exercise that he speaks about that I'd love to share with everybody here that I think is going to be relevant to the topic is every time you give money away, thank the money. And every time you receive money, thank the money. But yeah. thank it on its way out too. And I think a lot of people, they feel like you got to take and you can't give back, but it's that block yeah. of the flow. It's a cycle, right? And you need yeah. that to be able to be going around. So every time, if you have you know, great gratitude for money that you can give, you have money to give, you should be grateful for having that opportunity. And then you can be grateful when it comes in as well. It's a powerful exercise that he teaches. And I think gets people to shift their mindset around money because listen, money is nothing more than stored energy. And yeah. the only way to maximize energy is to provide more value. And so the more value you can provide, the more you'll receive stored energy in exchange for the value you provide. And I think with you go with that mindset, you don't need to say like, oh, money is good. You don't even need to say money's good. You don't need to say money's bad either. Money's just stored energy. And energy is yeah. accumulated through value provision. And so if you can focus on providing value, you will see that energy will be stored and it'll be able to be expensed and it'll be able to become more abundant. So if you just step into being someone that provides value, energy gets created you'll be safe yeah yeah if we take that even further you know 
energy is something that's in motion. It's, it's moving. It's not just static. You, you get static energy and it's a charge. That's different. You know, not many people like to be charged, but they like to have movement of energy, right? They, they like exactly. things moving through. You can look at the, the very term for currencies in our different systems. Like money is a currency. It's meant to have a current to be moving mm, I through. Like that. I like so, that. So yeah, I think it's important to, for people to remember that when we're thinking of business, when we're thinking of our finances, when we're thinking of, of our survival and all these things, this ability to create more flow rather than containment is actually where, where the abundance is going to come from. 100%. Uh, I, I made a bit of a mistake a few weeks ago. I was talking to my fiance and I had this epiphany, right, of this idea. I was looking at nature and I was looking at how nature doesn't retain anything. It doesn't hold on to. It, it literally is always in a cycle. It's always in occurrence. And so, like, if a fruit comes off of a tree, it doesn't hold it there and be like, okay, just in case I don't bear fruit next season, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on to this. You know, it lets it go and, and it goes into the soil and it renews and replenishes the resources so that it can bear fruit again the next season and next cycle. And I was sitting there, I was, I was so excited. I had this huge epiphany as I was sharing with my fiance. I'm like, so I'm realizing that's the same thing with finances and, and every form of energy is it needs to be used. It needs to go. And I'm watching her eyes light up and she's getting really excited. And I was like, yeah, so we just, we got to move the money, move the energy. She's like, I got places I can spend that money. I'm like, oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Dude. I was like, oh, no, no, that's not what I was I, talking about. I like what you're saying. But, but, but there's a nuance to this, you know, mm -hmm. um, the more you give, the more you, you like detachment, right? We have attachment to money and that's yeah. the ultimate test. I mean, you want to be in a, in a place to challenge your giving opportunities, especially in a world that seems so materialist. See what happens if you just give, give, give. Uh, and then you're like, well, people will take advantage of me. You know, in my okay. I have hesitancy to do that, but I've mm -hmm. never been disappointed every time I've done it. I mean, I've had times that I've given large amounts of money to people that I didn't want to give money to, but I've been able to see that on the other side of that, more money always came. And so yeah. I think there's still some value in that. And I think our detachment to the money allows us to attract more of it. Um, so there's some, there's some, there's going to be a lesson. Oh yeah. In that, you know? Oh yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I think, I think where I paused was the idea that we don't want to, and I think this is important for the viewers and, and, and listeners to hear. We don't want to just spend money unconsciously in consumerism, as you mentioned earlier, even. We, we want to spend it consciously in something that either is investing in others or is investing in ourselves. Because otherwise, we're not putting it back into a renewal of resources. We're, we're just kind of like peddling it out. Well, you know, this is where I, I sometimes, I sometimes actually would have a different perspective. It's just like, okay, uh, go, go spend unconsciously. Go spend ridiculously. Yeah, just dump your money and just see what works. See what happens, yeah. I mean, and here's the thing. It probably won't. You're probably right. But if you're feeling an urge that that's what you need to do, mm. then there's a lesson you're supposed to learn. Yeah. And, yeah. And, like, and that's a bit of a controversial statement. But, you know, it's, it's still like it's very, it's very rare that I've seen the people, you know, finding themselves in that cycle. Some people, they take a lot more time to learn their lesson. I'll be, uh, it'll be true. And if you're listening to this, I'd be hoping that you're probably someone that's done a bit of the work that has had the lessons being done already. But yeah. if there's an urge that you're supposed to be spending frugalous, uh, frugalously and, and unconsciously, <laughs> there is going to be a lesson in that too. So, you know, it's, it's almost yeah. like you can't do wrong. Just, just chill and, 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 and let go. And, and yes, yeah. I would hope you go and spend on people. You go on and spend on creating value because else you'll just be a person that's using the stored energy and to a point that there's no more. Now, the part that there's no more, you're going to be forced to learn something or do something to get back to the place that you need to be to generate energy. And so yeah. I think there's a lesson in every decision. And so I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I agree with that philosophy. And actually, I've got a deeper question for you on that. And then we're, we'll loop back around to the, the primary topic <laughs> of, of today's broadcast. Because um, this is something I've struggled a lot with as I've worked with my clients that you know, most of the time people have to hit rock bottom before they have the motivation or inspiration to really make a change. And yeah. a lot of what you were just sharing, like sometimes
wherever they're at to, to improve something in their life, in that personal development. So I think it cut out for a little moment, but what I think you asked is, you know, do you need to hit rock bottom to be able to make that change? Was that the question? The, pretty much, yeah. It's like, how can we help motivate people who haven't hit rock bottom, who might be a little uncomfortable, want to make a change, but maybe not are, don't have the commitment yet? All right. Well, I'll give you a little shout out to Johnny who just logged in. He's a good friend of mine. I haven't heard from him in a while. And I think you'll like this question as well. So I was talking with a gentleman. His name is uh, Yannick Silver. And he was a big mm -hmm. person when it comes to online marketing, maybe around 10, 15 years ago. And he had, you know, he had a set of goals. Get the Aston Martin, get the Rolex, get the house, you know. And it was only at the moment that he's gotten those three things to realize how unimportant they are. And I think it's Jim Carrey who speaks about the fact that he wishes everybody could get famous and rich so that they could realize how unimportant it is. Um, and I asked him that same question during an interview with Yannick. I was like, do, I, do you need to make the chase happen to realize it? And he struggled. We, we had this moment where we both went like, ah, like <laughs> even I went through a process of selling things that I wasn't proud of selling only to realize how bad you can be with sales that has put me in a position now that I want to write a book on selling with love. And mm -hmm. I think the short answer is that, no, you don't need to go through the pain. I think, you know, we look at humanity, you know, we don't, we don't go walking around, you know, stabbing each other and killing each other as we did in the old times mm -hmm. because we've learned that that's not going to work. And I think we are very slow learners. I think we learn through repetition And I think the yeah. best repetitions that we can provide are stories of people that have went through it and had the results that is not what we seek. And so, you know, there's an interesting story about a photocopier change. And this is within an office where people would have to walk down the hall and turn left to go to a photocopier. And, you know, they decided to do an experiment and they decided to shift that photocopier on the right side. I have a question for <laughs> you. How many times do you think people ended up turning left before going right and make the change to realize that the photocopier was on the other side? How many times? I'd say 80% of the time. So probably like, like 10 times in a day. 10 times. So eventually they learned, but they tracked that on average, it took people 20 times where they would turn left, go shit, and then turn right. And that's oh, like man. disappointing in humanity, right? Like you're like, <laughs> oh my God, 20 times. <laughs> and so to answer the question is like, yeah, a lot of us might find ourselves needing or wanting <laughs> to go through the rock bottom and you will get a very direct, direct experience and a direct shift in consciousness because you will have firsthand experience. I think mm -hmm. it's not necessary. I think if you're looking to educate yourself, you mean you're tuning into calls like this where these discussions happen, you'll quickly realize that if you know, enough people are sharing the story, they're saying, hey, it's not worth it. Hey, it didn't give me what I was looking for. People will start to register and I see it also happening in our mass media. You know, mass media is a really big reflection of our consciousness. And so you're seeing mm -hmm. shows that are showing different narratives than the, hey, you need fame, you need riches, which was a very self-centered kind of pattern and, and, and kind of a storyline that was being said in the 90s a lot. If you look at the movies in the 90s yeah. about this individualism, now you're seeing that the narrative seems to change. There's a lot more things around consciousness, wellness, and And you're seeing that it's not just about the money. There's a seek of balance. And I'm glad to see that our media catches on to these trends much quicker yeah. now because a trend that is caught through mass media has the power to shift consciousness in a mass scale too. And so if they end up being on the bleeding edge of the trends that are towards better consciousness, better health, and better decisions that are not just about selfish wealth generation, um, they can lead a lot of people to make that shift and it's going to accelerate that. And I'm, I'm actually seeing trends are really nice. I'm excited for it. Nice, nice. I see a few more people have joined. Cedric, hi. See you saying hi to all of us. That's great. Um, so coming back a little bit to this topic of 2020, 2021, you, you've pinpointed that probably one of the biggest things that happened in 2020 was this, I, I want to say slap in the face or, or this like slipping out of the, of the rug from the feet of people's stability, their routines, their patterns, and what they had become familiar in was suddenly yanked away and they, they were forced to look at what is it that I actually really want in my life? What is it that I need in my life? What are the resources that I need? And what's important? Now, so I think I you're a little frozen. Yeah, I think my screen broke. Can you still hear me? 
I can hear you. Yeah. All right. But you're frozen. You're... At least it's not like a, a crazy face. <laughs> All right. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and X myself from the call and come right back to answer your question because I think something happened on my phone okay. here. Okay, cool. So as we wait for Jason to, to get back in here, just a, again, a little recap. We've been talking about, one, how work has changed in 2020. We looked at what lessons did we learn, like what really hit us in 2020. And one of those biggest things was, bringing him back in. One of the biggest things was that we were faced with the necessity to get clear about what we want, what, what our resources are. And, and we actually need to be happy. And so we got Jason back here. Um, Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no worries. So, so we've talked about what we may have looked at in 2020, a lot of the things that, that happened. And hold on, my battery is going out now. <laughs> so while you share about what you think are the insights and maybe some focus we can have into 2021, I'm going to plug my phone in. Um, yeah, what are, what are some things that you would suggest? All right. So, well, what I'll do is I kind of shifted into workplace mode right now because I know that was the original topic. We want to talk about a lot of these things happening in the workplace. And, you know, the biggest shift that happened, the single biggest shift is this whole idea of remote work. Remote work has become yeah. a de facto need for every organization. Some were ready for it. Some were not. The companies that had already yeah. been in the modules to be able to be friendly for remote work won big time in 2020. Oh, Mind yeah. Valley, where I was working before, we actually had planted the seed of remote work back in 2018 and paid massive dividends in 2020 because we had the right equipment, we had the infrastructure, and we could work everything from a remote place. And we realized that it actually increased productivity. Amazing Kool-Aid. And a lot of us are not going to want to return to the work offices and employers are not going to want to open up big offices anymore because they're like, hold up a minute. I'm getting as many people getting as productive without the need of all this real estate. They're working from home. They're happier. And I've interviewed individuals yep. that spoke about the single biggest shift that you can create in a company to drive up engagement and happiness at work is allowing for remote work. Now, a lot of people got a forced taste of remote work. And now a lot of people, after they had the honeymoon phase of remote work, had remote work hangover. You miss yeah, the cooler, the water cooler chat. You yeah. miss colleagues. The you're social feeling, aspect. You're feeling trapped in your home. You're not changing environment. I, I interviewed another individual who reminded us that you know, remote work doesn't mean work from home. It means work from anywhere. And so I think a big shift we're going to see <laughs> is some people are going to realize that I don't want to return to work full time. Maybe they want to check in one or a few times a week and that's going to be okay. Some people are going to make a decision to fully work remotely and maybe change their home. Why, yeah. do, I, why do I want to stay in New York City if there's not a bunch of activities happening there? You've seen a massive shift of people moving to places like Florida, like Austin, Texas, in warmer yeah. climates, in better environments that support their lifestyles. Now, there's also another shift that's going to happen is companies are going to realize maybe I don't want to rely on employees as much as I want to rely on independent contractors. A lot of the work that we do is being taskified. Taskification yeah. of, of work means that you're being hired for specific processes that are being executed in a standardized way. And I think more companies are realizing that, listen, if I'm going to work with employees, the only ones I want to have on board are going to be A players that understand how to leverage themselves and make an impact by hiring more contractors to bring the results that are yeah. necessary for the organization. And so what does that mean as individuals? Well, I think if you're in the workplace right now, you should really becoming aware of how to automate, delegate your processes. And if there's one thing that a lot of people were doing before is we were being very protective of our processes, thinking that it puts our job on the line if we share the magic sauce of what we do. Yet the top people that are going to grow within organizations are people that become very hyper aware of what are the exact processes that you execute on a daily, weekly, monthly basis that could create value within the organization. How do yeah. you document that? How do you automate that? And how do you delegate that? And that delegation part is going to be key because when you're able to communicate to your employer that, listen, I can have this part of my job be completely automated with somebody. Let's say I go on tools like Upwork, get virtual assistants, mm -hmm. get companies, agencies that do specific tasks, and you know how to keep them accountable. You know how to make their results measurable. 
that's going to be the task of the future worker is going to be someone that can work with these agencies, these assistants, and these people and companies that execute specific processes. And you know how to manage the delivery and the quality level of these tasks. That's going to be a key skill set that people are going to need to develop in the process. Um, and so I don't know if you've noticed that yourself or if you, like if you have any opinion on that trend. Yeah, no, I've definitely seen the same. I don't know if I've seen it as a trend, but I see it as a necessity of mm -hmm. what's happening. Um, my question to that would be how, because a lot of people have a, a very strong employee mindset. They go in, they clock in, they do the minimum tasks that they have been contracted or employed to do, and they clock out. This new trend is going to force people to adopt better leadership, better managerial, better um, delegation skills, better time management, self-management skills. It's going to be very interesting because I, I, the more I've looked at the differences between an employee mindset to a self-employed mindset to a, a business mindset to an investor mindset, it's so starkingly different. The employee mindset is like, I don't care about what the end product is. I go, I do my job and I come out and that's not going to be possible anymore. There's going to have to be a lot of self accountability now with more of this remote environment. Yeah. Uh, here's, here's going to be the, the, the stark truth about it is if you're going to be in the employee mindset and you're really not caring except for the processes that you execute and you don't care about the quality of that execution, you're going to be replaced. You're yeah, going to exactly. lose that job. You're going to see technology is coming out that is replacing the manual work of anybody. And so actually I did a talk recently, which was about the four pillars to become a superhuman at work and being a superhuman at work doesn't mean you need to be working 80 hours a week. It can be that you punch in and punch out on the clock and that's okay because guess what? Family is important. Recharging is important and being able to take care of having a life outside of work is important. But for those hours that you are at work, what are the things that you can move on that are really going to turn you into being a superhuman? And you already highlighted most of those elements, which I can list very simply here, which is leadership skills. And I'm not talking okay. about being able to lead a team and having everyone report to you. I'm talking about your self-leadership. I'm talking about your yeah. self-mastery. I'm talking about building your character and I'm talking about emotional intelligence. These yeah. are the capabilities that you need to develop, not so that you can control others, but so that you can master yourself. And yeah. having that self-mastery is really what's going to be necessary to be in a position that others will look up to you, respect you, and want to be led by you because they've seen that you've decided to apply something different into your own life. That's pillar number one. Yeah. And pillar number two is productivity. You've allured to it as well. But yeah. understanding that just being able to type faster isn't going to cut it anymore to differentiate someone who's a good and a great employee. Matter of fact is what you're going to need to be is someone that can actually understand that the way things have been done don't need to be the way they're always done. And there are better solutions out there. And again, yeah. the process documentation is the same as conscious awareness. For anybody who's done any personal growth, you'll realize that a lot of modalities out there are just making you aware of your patterns, your traumas, and your level of consciousness. But the awareness is the first step. When you have that awareness, how do you look at resolving these issues? So process documentation, it's not fun, but once you have awareness of where does your time go in the day to create the output that is expected of you as an employee, and how do you start maximizing that output? And a great question to ask yourself is if there's a task that needs to be done weekly, how do you find a method that it can be done a million times on an automated scale? How do yeah. you find those different inputs and where can it be automated and even where can it be delegated? And if you're able to document it in a way that you know you can offer to somebody else to do it, well, it'll become very efficient, predictable, and easy for you to do it, or you'll actually be able to get someone else to do it. You know, I had a bit of an exception myself where I found myself hiring a virtual assistant for myself as an employee because I wanted to maximize my output per time. I didn't want to work the 80 hours a week, but I documented and systemized a lot of the things that took my time that I knew I could hire someone at $10 an hour mm -hmm. that would make people go, Jason, you do so much in a week. This is incredible. I was like, yeah, it was worth it for me to spend 10 hours a week. Like that was like about $100 to get mm -hmm. a lot of the repetitive, boring tasks that I had systemized so I could focus on higher leverage activities. These yeah. are things you can consider. 
And the third pillar in this whole uh, framework, once you've understood that you should work on your leadership, you should work on your productivity. The third one is your communication. That's huge right now. Yeah. And this includes the selling, you know, well, you got to learn to sell. You want that promotion. You want that job. You want to raise that money. You want to make that sale of the product. You want that person to work for you. All of it is a process of communication. You want your team to be motivated to work towards the vision. You want your your like your employees to be motivated to do the task at hand. It's all about communication. Lisa Nichols is the one who speaks about the fact that what stands between you and everything you want in this life is your ability to communicate. And so mm-hmm. really, really critical to work on that. And that's going to be what is necessary and indispensable in the workplace is going to be your way of communicating and getting sure that your ideas and the impact you want to make is clearly understood by others because it's your responsibility. It's not anybody else's yeah. responsibility to understand you. It's your responsibility to communicate better so that whatever is important to you is well understood. And yeah. the last thing that I'll highlight is growth. A growth mindset is what is necessary. It can't, yeah. stagnation isn't enough anymore. And, no. you know, we talked about it again, how an employee mindset is very different than a freelancer mindset. But here's what I think is going to happen. And I've been talking to a lot of futurists who also speak similar things. If you're not having that freelancer mindset, you're going to be replaced. And people can do it faster, better, cheaper, more efficient. They don't need to deal with your bad days or a hangover or a mm-hmm. day you just don't feel like it. They have like standard operating procedures and expectations of delivery is how businesses want people to work. They want to work with other companies. And when you do an employment contract, you're actually a freelancer who has chosen to work for a single employer. Now for that compromise, they get your full attention. Are you being well compensated enough for somebody to have exclusive rights on your productivity? And what does that mean? And what can you do to maximize that? If you're not maximizing it, you're going to be left behind. And that doesn't mean you need to be in a panic fear mode. It's just understanding that if you embrace growth, you'll never be left behind. And if there's three things that I suggest to grow on, become a better leader, work on your productivity and communicate better. And you'll see that you'll always be a superhuman in the workplace. (laughs) I like that. Thank you, Jason, for all of that. Uh, for amazing pillars. And I, there's a, a pillar, I think, that's subtly in there that was speaking to me as you were sharing. Collaboration. What do you think is mm-hmm. going to happen with that? Because if, let's say, for instance, all of a sudden, the, the work that you're doing for a company or a job or, or whoever you're, you're contracted to, if you're not directly involved in the, I guess, profit or the vision or the result that that company is going to give and you're there again, kind of in a mentality of this is my paycheck, but it's also what I, maybe I love doing. And so I'm doing it. How do we get around what has been an old paradigm of, of kind of a corporate culture of, you know, dog eat dog and everybody's fighting for that role, that position in the corner office. And rather it's, Hey, now I need to learn how to work with people because the goal isn't about me showing up as the best. It's about making sure that the product and the service shows up the best because of my participation. Yeah. Yeah. So there's two things I want to highlight. One is I had a conversation with an individual. Her name is Teal Swan and she Mm -hmm. does a lot of spiritual videos. And when I interviewed her, we talked about what is one of the biggest things that is a parasite within organization. And it's basically people operating from a zero sum game perspective. This dog eat dog mentality is really what like shaves away any of the focus of you know, value creation for the ultimate stakeholders of why this company exists. Now, if you are somebody that doesn't operate from a zero-sum game, there's a couple of things that could happen. In the short term, you might get taken advantage. That's true. Maybe people that are going to operate more aggressively are going to be able to step on your toes and move forward. But if you're someone that's actually continuously working on their growth, you're always a student, you're going to become a highly desirable employee no matter which entity you end up working for. And so if you're focusing on the core delivery of the things that you want to create, yeah, maybe you won't get that immediate promotion, but you'll be the one that's developing a skill set that will be highly desirable for other companies if this is not the one that you remain with. And people notice the small things that you still do. And I would actually make sure that you don't forget it. It is still on you to communicate effectively the impact <laughs> that you do provide. Okay. Yeah. And it's not about bragging and feeling like you're self-promoting and that's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Matter of fact, I interviewed a lady who talked about the art of shameless self-promotion, which is still necessary. It's a part of the job. 
The, the yeah. second thing I wanted to highlight is this uh, gentleman that I interviewed, his name is Kaihan Krippendorf, and he wrote a book about the rise of the intrapreneur. And an entrepreneur is somebody that has entrepreneurial mindset within an organization. And he spoke mm -hmm. about the fact that, guess what? If you choose to work for corporate, there's going to be politics. No question about it. Why? Because humans are complicated, emotional little bundles of meat. And if yeah. you put a lot of them together, they're going to start forming social systems. Now, most people hate politics within the corporation, but he gives it a different perspective. You know, if you're running an entrepreneur or you're a salesperson, guess what? Sometimes you have to deal with difficult clients. And the solution is not to ax the client, it's to spend time to understand the client and then speak to them in a language that they appreciate. Now, yeah. the difference when you are in a corporate space is your politics, those colleagues, those managers, those leaders, that CEO, whatever personality they have, guess what? They are your client. And if you treat them like the client that they are, mm. you don't resent them. You start taking the time to understand them. Yeah. And some people are like, wait, isn't that playing the game of politics? No, that's playing the game of life. That's just how yeah. human social systems work. And if you take the time to understand them, understand what are their goals? What are their ambitions? What are they trying to create? What's important to them? What is it that you're doing? Does it align to the priorities of the company? You know, so many times people are like, yeah, I come up with great ideas in the workplace, but nobody listens to me. Well, how aligned was that idea? How much time did you take yeah. to prepare it? How much of it did you test? How much are you giving it as a chore for someone else to validate your idea? No, you're being an idiot. I'm sorry. If you go <laughs> through that episode that I do on the podcast, and again, if you're curious about these concepts, send me a direct message and I'll send you the link to the episode. He talks about how you can actually map out and exactly propose ideas in an effective way so that everybody understands the value and you can come up with ideas that actually make the needle move for the organization. And here's the thing. If you're someone that's always coming from that place, you will be recognized. You will be rewarded. You will be promoted. And if that organization doesn't see that, you will have grown so much that you'll be able to get the jobs that you want. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. Really, really great points. Justin, this is awesome. Like, um, I mean, we've known each other for a good while. I, I know the work that you've done, but we've never gotten into a good conversation here. And, mm -hmm. and this is really great to, to hear all the insights and wisdom that you have, especially around, I think, the nuances of the psychology, the, the team dynamics, I'd almost say, or the group dynamics that happen within business and even within ourselves as we're trying to figure out how we market, how we build a business. Uh, so this is really insightful for me and, and I hope very much for the people that have been listening and that will listen on the replays. Uh, really, really great stuff. We are way over the time, which has happened with every one of my interviews, which is awesome because I love getting into these conversations. Um, what would be, so we, we talked about what, what happened in 2020. People got a wake-up call. Um, workplaces have shifted. Obviously, everybody got distributed out into remote systems. Um, you mentioned that those that were already kind of geared towards that and, and had started doing something really benefited from being prepared. Going into 2021, we're looking at building these new pillars of being superheroes at work or essentially learning better self-delegation, self-accountability uh, and leadership and management so that we can actually show up with value to the workplaces or employers or contractors what would be an exercise, something that somebody can do immediately starting in this new year? And, and I imagine it's not going to be like a, a one-time thing. I, one of the biggest points I've been getting from everything you've said is consistency over time. It's like you do something and you build it, you cultivate it, you do it repetitively, and that's how you either show your value or you grow and learn. So what would be something, a practice like that, that you would recommend for people in their personal growth and professional growth? I'll focus on the professional growth because I think you're going to have a lot of guests that are going to give the personal side. And, and I want to give a very practical exercise, which is a bit inspired to what I do now. And I think for everybody listening, if you do this, you'll see how you can show up with more value is make a list of any stakeholder that you have to do business with right now. And what I mean by stakeholder is I'm talking about no matter who you are, uh, maybe it's a boss, maybe it's a supervisor, maybe it's coworkers, maybe it's employees, maybe some key clients you have. Maybe it's an investor. Uh, maybe it's a supplier. Whoever's within your supply chain of wherever work environment you are. And I'll give a couple examples. For example, if you're an entrepreneur, you probably have investors, employees, uh, co-founder, and key clients, okay? 
make a list of these people. If you're an employee, then you'll have colleagues, you'll have a manager, you'll have a CEO, and you'll have uh, possibly direct clients that you do business with or suppliers you do business with. Whoever are the people you regularly interact with to deliver what it is that you do, um, make a list of their names. And I want you to do a couple of things. Number one is take a moment to do like I did and show gratitude for having to do business with them. Yes, even that one that is harder to deal with, you can even be a little honest with them. Just be like, hey, for example, Rodolfo, let's say we didn't really connect that much. I'd be like, hey, Rodolfo, didn't really connect with you in 2020. Uh, I know we had some hard times, but I know you're doing your best and I'm going to try to do my best. And I just want to wish you happy new year and um, I'm looking forward to next year. Just take the moment to do that. If you want to do a bare minimum, just take a moment to do that with every one of the people on that list and be fascinated by how many people just appreciate that you genuinely sent out value without expecting anything out in return. Yeah. People will just be like, wow, that person took care and took time. And already this is something that will just make you feel so good and appreciative of the abundance you already have. And so if you do that, it'll be powerful. Now, you might be in a position where you're unemployed. If you're unemployed, then send it out to some people that you might have worked for in the past and other key important people that are in your life, I think is already a good start. It'll shift you into a high vibration to start. <laughs> now, if you want to take it further, if it's, this is the people that you're a little closer with, you have a bit of a rapport with, um, then I would take it to a next step, which is just saying, hey, for 2021, I'd love to know what are you excited about? What are the goals you have? And how can I support? Oh, you do mm -hmm. that. And here's what's going to happen. 95% of the people will be too shy to even express it, but they'll appreciate the gesture and they'll be like, yeah. wow, this person's got my back. And I take these ideas a lot from Keith Ferrazzi, who speaks a lot about coming in with value. Um, now, when you do that, and if somebody says, well, guess what? Like, imagine going to the CEO or your manager and be like, what's the thing that you're really trying to strive for 2021 and how can I support they might be telling you, well, guess what? We need to hit this revenue target and I'm glad you're on the team. And, you know, I, I really hope it'd be like, great, I'll support with that. I'll try to motivate others, but I'll be there. I'll be ready to play. I'll be ready to support and I'll be ready to be going all in for 2021. Watch your career shift when you're coming from that energy. This. It's going to be powerful. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jason. That's a really great practice. Definitely for all those that are viewing right now and for those that watch the replay, jump in there and do that. The replays, by the way, are all going to be on uh, the Brilliance EDU Instagram, IGTV, so they can find it there. Or you can just go to the link in the Brilliance EDU bio and you'll find where all the replays and some extras and I'll be summarizing some stuff. I've been taking some notes. Yours was hard to take notes on because I was like, oh, that's good. No, oh, that's good. <laughs> we we, we uh, traveled the, the, the land of consciousness, but I think we wrapped it up nice and it was great to do this interview. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. And, and we'll have to do this again. Absolutely. Jason, thanks again. Everybody, again, you can get the replay. Just look at the bio link. And otherwise, follow Jason if you're not already. And also check out his podcast, Superhumans at Work. Thanks, everybody. A big thank you for listening in today. You have been tuning in to the Be Happy, Be Brilliant podcast with myself, Rodolfo Young. I hope you've enjoyed the episode and that you'll share it with your friends and keep the heart ripple flowing. For more content and inspiration, you can visit www.rodolfoyoung.com.